Hello and welcome to Tech Takeaways, the podcast taking technology's biggest challenges and chopping them down to little bite-sized chunks for you. I'm your host, Jason Fitzgerald, and I'm joined as ever by my dynamic co-host, Paul Stringfellow. And this week we say welcome back to our guest, cybersecurity advisor and assessor, Rory Breen. Thank you. Glad to be here again. So this week's episode, we are giving you the inside track on cybersecurity. It's a part two episode. So if you've not seen part one, go back, watch part one, and then come back and watch part two. This is part two. Um, so we are looking this week at the challenges of cyber essentials, uh, cybersecurity techniques, and practical tips that you can use to better secure your business. Uh, so um, where do we want to start with this? I, th- I think, uh, shall I start with this? I'm going to start go with it. this. Go for it. Okay. You go for it, yeah. Rory, when we look at Cyber Essentials, what do you see as the killer topic that people should start with day one when they look at Cyber Essentials? Right, okay. So if it was to list one item um, from a risk-based perspective, it would be patching. Okay. Patching, 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 really. If if an organisation can get that right, they probably they probably resolve 60% of vulnerabilities by doing nothing else other than patching, really. Patching is is a huge piece of work. Um, for instance, uh, Windows and, and, and Mac and even on the mobile phones, they're, they're pretty good at doing automated operating system patches. The challenge that we find with cyber essentials and, and, and just sort of general cybersecurity is all of those other applications that users install themselves. Um, Zoom, Acrobat Reader. Uh, your browsers are normally pretty good now as well. Yeah. Um, but and, and also some of the more niche products. And typically what we're finding more recently when we, we look at Cyber Essentials Plus, um, when we're working with organizations to get them ready for Cyber Essentials Plus, is the is the, redistribu- the redistributable, that's a hard one to say. Um, <laughs> Easy for you to say. Yeah, yeah. yeah so sort of Visual Basic and Visual C++. So for instance, if you install Sage on, onto a computer, that typically comes down with other applications that are bundled in. Okay. What you'll typically find with Microsoft is if it's got, um, if, it's, if it sort of says 2008 or 2010 Visual Basic runtime, for instance, Microsoft will normally give you up to 10 years worth of support so what we're looking at now really is anything sort of uh 2008 2010 or even 2013 the odds are they will be end of life um so the challenge is 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 keeping your third party applications up to date really and And there's some quite stringent requirements around this as well isn't it it's not you know not just patch it when you feel like it you know there's a a, and you said that patching is such a huge challenge but perhaps is it 14 days from exactly that's right that that's the requirement for cyber essentials my um the NCSC, who, who sort of over, who sort of write cyber essentials, they try to determine a balance between um, potentially deploying a faulty patch, which can cause problems, which still does happen nowadays, particularly with Microsoft devices, um, and also the risk factor. Because what what tends to happen is that once Microsoft, so every second Tuesday of the month, typically Microsoft will, will release operating system patches. What then happens is the bad guys will effectively look at those patches and reverse engineer. And at the end of the at the end of their testing, they'll be able to identify what the underlying vulnerability is. So if you've got a computer that hasn't been patched within, let's say, well, it's fourteen. 
days or, or that's the requirement for cyber essentials, you're at an increased risk of attack because the bad guys will know how to leverage that vulnerability to basically either ransomware or, or encrypt your data or, or whatever they, they decide to do with it, really. Um, so that's why the 14 days is, is, is important. So, so what you're saying there is when a patch comes out, you're actually a greater risk once the patch is released if you're not applying that patch. Exactly, really. Okay. Exactly. Well, there was yeah. so there were there were a number of um, examples of this with Microsoft Exchange, really. Um, and another good reason that IT companies like to get the clients onto Office 365. Exchange is a complex a complex product to support. Fortunately, we're not seeing as many um, within company offices as we used to. It's most people are moving to Office 365, but there were I, I, th I think it was last year and the year before there were a number. Of relatively easy to exploit. Like Hafnium. Yes. Hafnium was the big one, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and um, so, yeah, so patching, patching is critical, really. Okay. And, and in terms of patching, so obviously we've got, we've got some options that we can do within the operating system. So for listeners to the podcast and viewers watching on YouTube, I, I suppose a, a takeaway for them would be go and check your operating system and ensure that automatic updates are turned Definitely. on. Definitely. And for any updates within the applications, make sure it's turned on. Um, what about things like um, firmware updates? You know, we see things like um, printers, for example, manufacturers will release a firmware update. Where, where do they stand with firmware updates? So uh, cyber essentials, and, and I suppose from a general sort of SME risk perspective, what you're looking for is 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 to patch those vulnerabilities that can either be exploited via via someone sitting in China or Nigeria or whatever it is, not to pick on those countries in particular. Um uh, so, for instance, uh, printer vulnerabilities and, and even, I, I suppose, BIOS vulnerabilities within the hardware of the computer, yeah. they're, they're lower risk, they're lower risk, generally speaking. So there was Spectre and Meltdown, which came out four or five years ago, whenever yeah, yeah. it was. And, and realistically, unless you're um, running a server in the cloud on shared infrastructure, it's no risk. It's minimal risk to everybody else, really. Um, but Cyber Essentials still recommends that you patch because there is a risk there. Um, and And... and it's always better to be safe than sorry. So when it comes to firmware, for instance, um, we always recommend clients to purchase Dell, Lenovo, HP, all the big providers, because they come with built-in um, patching utilities for that will deploy vendor um, driver updates, BIOS updates, and things like this, really. So we always recommend to go for the larger providers, if possible. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Okay, patching, um, patch where you can, yeah, patch exactly. frequently, and, yeah. have a process around pain. it. So patch, it is a pain, patch, it is. <laughs> pa patching is difficult. It is. Um, you know, I think I think we've got to call it out to say, I, I don't think the reason that organisations don't patch frequently isn't because they don't want to, it's because it can be quite difficult yeah. to get right, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so alongside patching, yeah, what, what's what's kind of the next big hit that organisations should think about? So, the next big one, which we actually touched on briefly in part one, was MFA, multi-factor authentication. So, generally, um, traditional IT security has been around what you know, i.e., a single factor, your username and password. Whereas uh, additional factors are typically something that you hold. So, that would and a good example would be the Microsoft Authenticator app. If you log in to um, either an unapproved device or in, on an internet or something like that, you'll typically, you'll get a push notification onto your phone. Um, you'll then need to put a number in, which comes up on the screen, just to confirm that it's you, really. Um, and uh, and then that will allow you to log in. So multi-factor is critical, in particular for cloud services, because uh, as I mentioned in part one, cloud services, you have to assume that the bad guys are knocking on that door 
They're going to continue knocking until, unfortunately, either the the, the, the door breaks or someone opens it, <laughs> really. So for cloud well, services, well, it's that idea, critical. isn't it? If, if, if I find a breach, set of credentials, username and password, what, what am I going to do? Well, I'm going to say, I'm going to go login.microsoftonline.com. Is, is that a thing? Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe that username and password has been used there. If not there, great. I'll try Google. I'll try Dropbox. I'll try Salesforce. And I'll try exactly. the yeah, whole yeah. bunch of it because yeah. they're easy to get to. You know, it's, it's very different, isn't it, from I found some credentials and now what I'm going to do is try and break in through somebody's firewall to get to some yeah. internal, you know, it, it, it's that kind of broad spray type of thing. Yeah, but yeah so... so, so Go, go on, uh, yeah, ju- just on that, you know, cy- cyber criminals are very good at what they do. You know, cyber cyber criminals aren't amateurs, they are professionals. Yep. And they are after being as productive as possible. They want the absolute bang for their buck out of every hour that they are they are working. And brute force in a system is quite technical. Um, it can be quite difficult to do and it costs a lot. You know, they're going to have to have resource, um, a server sitting there, hitting that server 24-7. As you mentioned, it's far easier to go online and look for a credential leak and say, okay, well, I've got a username and password there for, say, a, a, a service. I'm not going to call any service out, but a service that has been previously breached. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to, almost gamble a little bit and say, I bet this password is being used somewhere else and I'm going to go M365 first, then I'm going to go to Dropbox, then I'm going to work my way down Amazon, eBay. I'm going to work my way in through every single service until I find a way in, isn't it? Exactly. I'd be interested to because one of the things that you're seeing now with MFA is that, you know, as Jason mentioned, it's a really good point. Cyber criminals are really good at what they do. So, of course, now you're starting to see them trying to breach MFA. And, and it was interesting you mentioned kind of that idea, you log on, you're given a number, Indeed. type that in. Because one of the things that we've seen is the increasing amount of times that cybersecurity, almost that kind of um, MFA, just because people get tired fatigue. of it MFA fatigue. fatigue. Yes. That's the word I was yeah. looking for. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, too, I'm too tired to have thought fatigue. Um, but, but, you know, have you got any tips around how organisations can deal with that? Is there anything kind of evolving in terms of what cyber essentials or, you know, the... Yeah, so there was a, a recent breach with LastPass. Um, I, th- I think it was LastPass, and, and they identified that it was due to MFA fatigue, really. Um, or if it wasn't LastPass, it was another provider. Okay. The, the name escapes me at the moment. And this is why Microsoft put the number in place, really, um, because people will have to read the number and then, and then enter it onto their mobile app. Um, and, and in essence, if you're not expecting the MFA, rather than just clicking yes, no on your phone and you have to think about it, it's, oh, was this really me? Is this really me trying to get into our systems? Um, so um, I think the key thing is you have to look at where the risks are. If you're using Office 365, there's additional sort of more complex MFA called conditional access. So what you can do, you can configure a policy so that um, if certain criteria is met, i.e. you know that the the user's logging in from an office location or from a previously approved device, they shouldn't see MFA, really. Um, So it's only where the risk factors change, i.e. someone logs in an internet cafe or potentially they're using a a company device at home for the first time and they may get an MFA prompt. So the the, the providers, Microsoft and all the other tier one providers are very much aware that MFA is everywhere nowadays. If you use, like I use the Authy app, the, the, the Google Authy app, and I must have maybe somewhere around 200 MFAs on there now. Mm. Um, so it, it's almost as difficult to manage your MFAs as it is your office, as it is your passwords. And the challenge with MFA is if you lose it, sometimes you can be locked out 
as well. So whereas with a password, generally there's a password reset procedure or an administrator can reset it. Um, so MFA is a bit of a double-edged sword, but from a, a security perspective, um, it, it is something that we strongly recommend, really. I, I so, think the risk is worth it, isn't it? Definitely, definitely. Yeah, it, it, I'm a big fan of kind of that idea you talked about there about kind of dynamic and intelligent application as well. You know, I think we're seeing this increasingly across security tools, trying to apply context yeah. to security decisions because it, it gets away from that kind of fatigue idea, you know, whether it's MFA or, or something else. So, you know, as we kind of come to the end of the time of this uh, this epic two-parter, um, you know, what, what would be kind of the final thing? So we've, we've talked about patching, we've talked about MFA. You know, what would be kind of your next, and, uh, next top tip of things an organisation should look at? So asset management really, which means different things to different people. But in essence, um, you need to know what devices have organizational data on them and you need to ensure that you've you have appropriate policies, whether it's 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 human-based policies uh, or whether it's technical controls to sort of protect that information. And and this is a cyber essentials in the in the latest version. Um, and the, the sort of guidance document that's available has uh, now has a specific section on asset management, really, because there's no point in you protecting devices when you can only see a small number or you're only aware of a small number. This, is, again, is why sort of um, when people leave an organisation, you have a robust policy in place to get that equipment back from them, really. Uh, we've worked with some clients where we know they've got a very weak leavers process or exit interview, and in particular mobile phones. If they're provided with mobile phones, sometimes the the leaving manager um, or whoever's doing the exit interviews doesn't ask the member of staff for the for the for the mobile phone, so they could potentially continue to have, have access to Teams, SharePoint, etc. After they've left the we, business, we've we've seen that firsthand. Yeah, um, we've seen that firsthand. It's almost as if we've done a podcast about that topic. Yeah, Jason. yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we we've seen that firsthand where the the leavers process wasn't as um, complete as it should have been, um, and users have um, you know taken essentially uh, company equipment home with them, even though they've left the company, they've still had you know six months later full access to company data yeah. and it's only once the there is an issue that they call up the IT department and say I can no longer access the data well what do you mean you shouldn't have accessed it the last six months <laughs> yeah. you haven't worked with us for six <laughs> months but it's, it's it's really interesting actually because I, I think that the MFA point ties into that levers process quite well in that not all SaaS vendors have MFA capabilities but if we can integrate it into M365, we can enable the likes of conditional access and MFA to that service. And once we do that, when you go and disable the account in M365, exactly. it disables it in, say, Dropbox, yeah. it disables it in, you know, wherever you've got that that uh, federated yeah, yeah, account. Yeah. Um, I, I think one, one of the risks is where you don't know that that account has been created, if the lever of the company, you, you then close down their account, but then there's still a random third-party service there that can still be used as, yeah, as an attack on it. Definitely. So, yeah, I, th I think having that robust levers process, absolutely. And and I think a lot of organisations fall down on that procedurally. You know, it's... I think Jason makes a great point. Maybe maybe last question for me on, on kind of on this, on this topic is... You know, I think what Jason's kind of getting at there, and I think it's hugely important in security, is simplification of a lot of this. Yeah. Now, what, what do you think of that as an assessor? You know, how important is simplification, and what would be a tip to somebody to to maybe simplify the way they approach security? Yeah, I, th I think. Uh, I, I, well, we've all all heard the acronym KISS, isn't it? Keep it simple, sort of stupid, really. And and I think generally, IT guys are really good 
at, at complicating and sometimes overcomplicating things. We're all guilty Gives of this. It job role yeah, in I, I, it does indeed. It does indeed. Um, but as conversely, trying to um, convert something that's complex to, to, to simple or to mm. simplify some, it requires a lot more expertise. So when it comes to security, as I mentioned before, you've sort of got the, 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 the sort of scales. You've got convenience on one side. You've got security on the other. And, and depending on the risk factor, sometimes you need to, 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 to weigh one or the other, really. Um, but yeah, simplicity is key because... Us humans, we're good at a lot of things, um, but we're not good at complex tasks in particular. If it's something you have to do every day, every hour or whatever it is, simplicity is you, simplicity is the key, really. And also from a training perspective and management and oversight, the simpler a process is, um, the, the, the more likely is that someone's going to follow it and the easier it is to monitor, really. So, yeah, simplicity is important. Absolutely, yeah. I completely agree with that. And, and, and with that, I think that's a great, point to end the episode on we hope you've enjoyed this week's episode if you've not yet subscribed hit the subscribe button it's on youtube we're in everywhere you get your podcasts and we'll catch you next week